Let us pray to the Lord. Our Heavenly Father, you have heard the prayers of all your people. You have heard our singing. You have heard our praise. And it is a joy and it is a comfort to enter into your presence again tonight. We pray, O oh Lord, that our hearts will be lifted and that we, O oh Lord, will receive your word meekly. For this is a, a word of comfort to those who are awaiting the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ but also a word of warning uh, to all those who are maybe sleepy or those who are maybe not looking forward to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we pray that as we look into this passage, we pray, Lord, that this passage would penetrate our hearts and that it will bear much fruit in each and every uh, believer here tonight. And that we will all, Lord, will understand what it is that we are to be doing here on this earth as we are anticipating the, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And that is to encourage one another and comfort one another with this glorious truth. Be with your people, glorify yourself, and grant illumination from the power of your Holy Spirit as we look upon this passage. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Please rise as we hear a word from the Lord. Again, the preached text will be uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But as I said before, this is a working out of a prayer from Paul uh, that's given unto this church in Thessalonica. And the prayer starts in chapter 3, verses 11 through 13. And so we're going to back up at chapter 3, verses 11 through 13, and then we're going to skip forward and read the exhortation from verses 13 through 18. This is the word of the Lord. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. And here is our exhorted text, starting in verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of a trump of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Amen. Please be seated.
We hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ each and every Lord's Day here at Covenant, and that is something to be very thankful for, because uh, there are many churches who do not hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that gospel, we, we hear of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. We see the him as prophet, priest, and king, threefold office. And that is to be claimed at all times as we meet together here in God's house. We know that we ought to offer up him good worship, a worship, pure worship that is given through his word. We are not to offer up anything unto him that has to deal with our imaginations, our ideas. It is to be a pure worship that comes from the Lord himself. And we are to be thankful that we partake of that each and every Lord's Day. But part of the gospel that we are to understand and part of the gospel that we are to be anticipating for is for the completion of that salvation. And the completion of that salvation is when the Lord Jesus Christ cracks the sky and comes for each and every one of us. This is something that we are all longing for as Christians, no matter how old we are, no matter how young we are. This is something that we are to expect each and every day. Is it today, Lord? That's what we are to say whenever we wake up. The title of the sermon is The Second Coming of Christ. And as we have been going through uh, this book of First Thessalonians, this letter, Apostle Paul has been giving the church much comfort, much encouragement. For this is a, a new church, a church that did not know much about the elements of the faith, but nevertheless, they were practicing it. They understood the preaching that Apostle Paul gave them. The gospel came to them with power. That's what it says. With power and with unction given by the Apostle Paul and the believers were evangelizing one another. Well, evangelizing the nations, people were coming to an understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ and loving and caring for one another. So much so that Apostle Paul even commended them for that. But he gives this little understanding of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ that maybe they were misinformed. Maybe there was some false teaching going around. Uh, or maybe there was just an understanding that there is going to be a resurrection, but maybe my loved ones who've died cannot partake in it. It was a misunderstanding. And that is the context. Paul wants to comfort these believers. And this is a comfort that we all should get from this passage. But it's also challenging as well, um, because there are many things that we sometimes forget in, in explaining the gospel, and that is, the second coming of Christ, and even the resurrection of the dead. So that's the context, but the teaching is going to be Christians take comfort. Christians are to take comfort in awaiting the second coming of Christ. And all Christians are to encourage one another in this hope. Point number one, will be, which will be most of the verses, Christians must rightly understand the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the second point, Christians are to both give and receive comfort knowing that Christ 
is returning. Starting off in verse 13. But we do not want you to be an uninformed brothers. Again, that brothers is a sign of endearment. It's a sign of love. This is a familial language. We are a family of God. And that's why he wants them to be encouraged. So Paul is what is he, what, as what all ministers are supposed to do, elders, pastors, Paul took time to correct the confusion about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I don't, I do not want you to be uninformed about this because this is very, very essential. And this is for your own comfort. So that's why he's correcting them. Maybe they thought that fellow church members who had died would be at a disadvantage at Christ's return. Because they died and they didn't think that they would see Christ returning. But Paul wants to correct that. He wants to build them up. They were a new church filled with Gentiles. And as you know, Gentiles did not have the Old Testament. There were some things that as was explained in the Old Testament in Daniel about the resurrection. They didn't have that. They didn't have the, the scriptures. But Paul was teaching them and informing them. And so maybe this is what something that they gave to Timothy as Timothy comes to the Apostle Paul with this great news about this church saying, well, they don't they're not informed about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's what Paul is doing as a minister and as an elder in his church. He wants to bring them up in the knowledge of the faith. And that is our responsibility as elders and as even as ministers chiefly. What was happening? They were grieving as if there was no hope about their their loved ones that died. Apostle Paul is not condemning their sorrow here. There is sorrow that is supposed to be good for those who are who have died uh, as our loved ones die and as our friends die. Affections are good, but grace, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is why we hear it every single uh, Lord's Day, and even in Apostle Paul's letters, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is supposed to supplement that. Affections are good, but grace regulates it. We are required to grieve. Blessed are those who mourn. We are required to have a, a grieving over the things that happen in, in this earth, the miseries of this life. And one of those miseries that we all experience in this life We've all lost loved ones. One of those miseries is death itself. And so they were grieving, but they were, the problem is they were grieving as ones who have no hope. But grieving is necessary. To die without having sorrow expressed for you dying is a sign of a curse. And this is explained in many passages throughout scripture but you can look at it in your own in Jeremiah chapter 22, verses 18 and 19. It says, don't mourn for this king because this is a curse upon this king, a king that was very wicked in all that he was doing amongst God's people. The doctrine of the resurrection goes above reason. God is going to raise everyone, everyone up who have passed away from the, from the beginning of time. It's amazing if you think about it. All the emperors, rulers, celebrities, 
for the last thousands and thousands of years will be raised at the shout of an archangel. They will be raised at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and face him and have to give an account for every single word that they have done. Every single, every single word that they've spoken, every single deed that they have done, they will have to give an account. This is an amazing, amazing revelation that is given by us, but that was given by God for us. And we are to understand this. This doctrine of the resurrection goes above reason. Nobody can explain this. But if you look upon the creation of the world, where God spoke, he just spoke, and the heavens and the earth were created. This is our eternal God, the God who is most powerful, who's all-knowing, whose internality should baffle us. This is the God who is coming back for his people to raise all people from the dead. What does Apostle Paul do here as we look on? He says in verse 10, uh, 14, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. He uses the word asleep for all the saints who have passed away. And that's how the Bible uses death for saints. Why? Because the sting of death is gone. Death, the sting of death is not for the saints anymore. It's as if they are fallen asleep. Now we need to have some caution here because there's a lot of false teaching regarding around this. The caution is this is not soul sleep. This is not where your sleep, where your, your soul sleeps as well, as well as your body sleeps and you just go into a place of non-existence until Jesus Christ comes back. No, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And we should in comfort one another, especially with that, with regards to funerals, uh, whenever someone passes away. But this is not soul sleep. Your soul gets to be with heaven, gets to be with the Lord in heaven, or it is sent into the abyss where there is destruction and damnation. And so your soul remains, but your body, especially if you are a believer, is united with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is amazing. Even as you think about many people that, you, that have passed away, all your loved ones, their bodies are united with the Lord Jesus Christ. And they are awaiting that, that, that final day, the day of the Lord, where Jesus Christ comes back and gathers them up. And therefore, that's why it's called sleep for, for believers. Death is like sleep for believers because their bodies await the resurrection while their souls are in heaven. We are united with Jesus Christ in his death. And Paul exhorts that, that death and resurrection proves the resurrection of believers. That's why he says in verse 14, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. And this is what Paul is exhorting. This resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ shows more than resurrection is possible. It solidifies that there will be a resurrection. Christ is raised for our justification and sin is pardoned. 
But we would be under dominion of sin if Jesus Christ himself was not raised from the dead. So that's one thing to glory in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is because of him, our sin is pardoned and that we are not under dominion of sin. We live that resurrection life to live is Christ. And that is of the risen Christ. But remember, when Jesus rose, he rose as head of his church and the church is his body. We are the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by him being raised, that solidifies our resurrection. We will be raised along with him. Paul probably is in Corinth as he is writing this letter. But let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 with regards to the resurrection that we will all experience as God's people. From 12 to 19. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are, if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who also have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are, all, we are of all people most to be pitied. That is a full understanding of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and what it means for all of us. And this is something that we always are to glorify the Lord before. And this is our future. This is our hope. Christ rose as head of the church and the church is in union with Christ and we are his body. Now, the order concerning the second coming of Christ is to be received as the word of the Lord. That's exactly what he says in our passage. For this we declare by word from the Lord, and that is the Lord, that is Jesus Christ himself. He gave this to his disciples to give them to the people, and people are to be comforted with this message of the resurrection. This is a word from the Lord, not a man-made tradition. This is nothing has nothing to do with any idea that comes from man. This is the, the teaching that was given by the Lord Jesus Christ. Those alive in Christ will not receive glory before the dead in Christ. The dead in Christ will rise first. It says this, for, for this we declare to you by word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. And the, this church in Thessalonica needed to hear that because there was misrepresenting about this. There was a misrepresentation of this teaching. They needed to hear this. And what does it say? The Lord will descend from heaven. That's exactly what he told the disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 11, that this Savior, the angels told him that this Savior that is taken up, the same way he is taken up, the same way he is coming back, 
It is for every eye to see him, to see the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord descends from heaven with a cry and a shout from a voice of an archangel. Again, this is something repeated by the Lord. This is a teaching from the Lord. You can look it up in Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. Even the trumpet, the trumpet sound, that is something repeated from Matthew chapter 24, verse 31. Archangel, a trumpet, a loud shout. This is the Lord Jesus Christ declaring his victory. His victory over death, his victory over Satan. This is a loud trumpet sound of our Savior taking his people with him. And a trumpet, as you know throughout the Bible, is not used primarily as an instrument, but rather as a signal of the appearance of God. Exodus chapter 19, verse 13 through 19 says this, even Zephaniah, as we were talking about the day of the Lord, in Zephaniah, he said there's a loud trumpet when it comes to the day of the Lord. Many people are not ready, but that trumpet sounds whether you're ready or not. Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 14 through 16. That is something to look at as we continue on. And those alive will be caught up in the clouds with those who died. That's what it says in, in, as we look on. In verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of a trumpet, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then verse 17, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So the dead will rise first and be there with Christ. And then we who are alive will be caught up, which by the way, that's, the, that's where we get the word rapture. But it's not a secret rapture. There's nothing about this that's secret. Nothing. You got a loud shout from an angel. You have a trumpet. There's nothing about this is secret. Even if that was figurative language, <laughs> the figurative language would show that there, this is something that's going to be seen from everybody. This is something to take notice. And that's why you have a trumpet, and that's why you have an archangel. It is not a secret rapture. Despite what you maybe read in novels or what's put upon even in the movie screens today, it's not secret. And what will happen as we are caught up in the clouds, we will see that glorification. Again, clouds. We've, we've looked through this in Exodus chapter 13 through 21 through 22. Clouds are often associated with the appearance of God. Cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. And even Matthew chapter 17, verse 5, the transfiguration of the Lord Jesus Christ, what came? A bright cloud saying that this is my son. This has involved an association with the appearance of our almighty God. And we, brothers and sisters, we will be together with Christ in that day where he cracks the sky. And that's why we ought to show love for one another. And that's why we ought to encourage one another. Because we are all looking, if we look at each other, we are all looking at a person that will be glorified on that day and meet Christ in the air. So by application, there will be false prophets spreading false doctrine about the second coming of Christ. 
But remember these words that you have read. Remember these words that you have read in 1 Corinthians 15. You are not to be deceived about the second coming of Jesus Christ. You are not to be deceived about the resurrection that we will all experience. You are to take this as your comfort and remember these words. And don't think that this is something that's just all Christians should know this. They don't. There are many people, even people right now here tonight, that did not know that there was a resurrection that is to be given unto the saints until they read it in one of our catechisms. This is something that's not talked about even in some churches. This is something that we don't even comfort one another with this message. There's always the resurrection. So do not take this for granted. This can happen even in our day. Many people are, do not even know that they will be raised on the last day, that Jesus Christ will raise them up with a shout. It's even in our evangelism sometimes. And I'm not trying to pick on anybody. But when somebody evangelizes, if you, if you was to die today, do you believe you'd go to heaven? Did the apostles evangelize that way? No, they didn't. They did not evangelize that way. Because it was the resurrection, the second, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ was the next chapter for all of us, for, for the whole humanity. And so this is something that, yes, People can be in churches and never realize that there's a resurrection of the dead. And there are some here tonight. And even there are some that might be even watching here on live stream. They never knew. But now this is something that is to be proclaimed in our gospel message. And even in, in our pulpits and even amongst each other, we are to encourage one another. We are to think how first century Christians think. That was everything for them. This is an encouraging letter to these, these Christians who are in Thessalonica because they thought that they, their loved ones will miss the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he's, Paul saying, no. They will be raised first and seat him and, be, and meet him in the air. And so remember that. Do not take this teaching for granted. This is something that we all are to take home with and comfort uh, one another in this doctrine. We are to strengthen our souls with this doctrine. Why? Because at the resurrection, we will meet Christ, the Christ that created you, the Christ that saved you, the Christ who shed his blood for you. That's why we are to comfort one another, which brings us to the second point, and it won't take much long to explain this. Christ, second, the second point, Christ. Christians both give are to give and receive comfort, knowing that Christ is returning. What does it say in verse 18? It says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. We need to understand there are some things that bring discomfort and discouragement in this life. Number one, sinfulness, sin in ourselves, sin against one another, bearing each other's burdens. You understand this when you are interacting with your wife, husband, children, 
even in the church, sin brings division. And that is one of the discomforts and the discouragements that's in this life, the sinfulness of this life, but also the miseries in this life. We all have to go through sicknesses, diseases, and even death. We've lost loved ones. And that is part of the miseries in this life. And all men experience these things. But they who are in Christ, they mourn over these things. Blessed are those who mourn for their sin, who mourn for the miseries over this life. That is the Christian character that we have. Even Jesus Christ wept for the miseries that are in this life. And that, that's, that's, ex- that's exactly what we all going to experience. And this church in Thessalonica, as we have read before, they are people who have been persecuted from the Jews. As you, you can read that, even as the church started in Acts 17, the, even as the church started, there was persecution. But this is something that they are longing for. They are longing for these things to be eradicated. And so the church receives comfort about this heavenly hope, and it ought to come from, what does it say? These words. We are to comfort one another with these words. What is written down in the scriptures regarding our future hope, regarding the future blessings that we are to obtain in Christ. We are not to comfort one another with philosophies or anything that's, that's, tangible, that's, that's tangible, that will be taken away on the last day. We are to comfort one another with the hope that is above all hopes, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ coming back. Comfort one another with these words. The church's hope cannot be in this life. We read that in 1 Corinthians 15. If, the Christ, if Christ is not raised, then our faith is futile. So we cannot hope in this life. The hope cannot be in this life. And the comfort is not just the resurrection, but the fact that believers will always be with the Lord. That's, where, that's why we ought to encourage one another. Believers will always be with the Lord. The church is to comfort one another with this truth. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25. This is something that we all to, to remember as God's people as we meet together. This is a, actually a passage worth actually going over before you enter into the presence of the Lord, before you go to church. Chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as it, as it is a habit for some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day. You see that day is capitalized. The day drawing in, that day is the day of the Lord. Why are we here? We ought to encourage one another and comfort one another with this truth the truth that Jesus Christ is coming for us, the truth that we will be raised and we will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. So by application, when was the last time you encouraged someone in this congregation 
about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It may not have been a month ago, but what do we put in his place? Think about that. The Lord Jesus Christ coming back, saving us. And we fail sometimes to even mention it to one another. We can go months, days, or months, years without even mentioning it. And that's why some people come and they never even heard of the resurrection. Those days are, are, are upon us. We are in an unbelieving world. There are some people who don't even know who the person of Jesus Christ is, that Jesus Christ is a real person. We've, those who have evangelized, they, we've experienced that. People just don't know. They don't know anything about what the Bible says. And so this is something that we are to comfort one another and spread that message out. And how often do you comfort yourself with this hope? It should not always be at a funeral. Sometimes we only comfort each other with this, each other in a funeral with this. I've seen funerals that they don't even mention the resurrection of Christ. That's a shame that this person that's laying here, that's a Christian, will be raised on the last day. That is something that we are to comfort each other. And believe me, as I am a studier of the Puritans, one of the main meditations of the Puritans, the highest meditation that they ever had, number one, was heaven. In other words, the second coming of Jesus Christ where things are made new. Why? Because it's Jesus Christ. It's seeing our Lord and Savior. It is Christ, our all in all. And don't you love your Lord? If you love your Lord, this is something that you will meditate upon on and on each and every day. For this is, this is what we long to see. We long to see our Lord and Savior. So please draw comfort, believers, of this message. Draw comfort and comfort one another. But beware of idols. Have you drawn comfort from other things besides the love of Christ? If you continue in that, if you continue to draw comfort from other things, Besides the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be like those foolish versions in Matthew chapter 25, which has not been preached yet. Churches need to be ready when Jesus Christ comes, and we need to repent while there's still time. And we ought to draw comfort and, and beware of the idols that are before us. And so believe in the resurrection. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, the gospel. The Lord Jesus Christ worked salvation for each and every one of us. He died for our sins. He covered us in his blood. He's raised and ascended. He has given us his Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is a down payment of the great hope that each one of us have. Ephesians 1. Comfort one another. And this is my final exhortation because this has to do with the next passage as we are continuing uh, to look at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in the next uh, chapter. My final exhortation here. 
as there are many in, in the church of Thessalonica that were not uh, ready and they were giving up their callings because they did not know when the Lord Jesus Christ will come. Pursue your callings. Pursue your callings as a father. Pursue your callings as a mother. Pursue your callings as a child, as you are studying in school. Pursue your callings as an elder. Pursue your callings as a musician. Pursue your callings as a pastor, a deacon. Whatever you do, you do it unto the Lord as a Christian with your heart packed up and ready to go and meet your Savior. Do not love the things of the world. May your love for the Savior grow more and more as you await his second coming. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this reminder of the Lord Jesus Christ and his second coming and the resurrection that we all will receive. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to encourage one another in this, in this, this passage, O oh Lord, in all the passages that regard your resurrection. Please, Lord, help us to always have this hope. Um, we, we, we will um, experience sorrow in this life. But we pray, Lord, that you would help us to always look forward to when the Lord Jesus Christ crashes the sky and makes all things new. Maranatha, Maranatha, 